You're listening to Going Legit. I'm Rachel Dorsey. In this special episode, you're invited to observe a one-on-one mentorship session with a creative, maker, entrepreneur, or a person who wants to be one. Our goal, as always, is to offer a window and a mirror to help you see a reflection of yourself and your challenge or success, while also seeing beyond your situation to what might be possible. This is Going Legit. I'm so glad you're here. So I would love to hear what you're hoping to get out of this conversation, what I might be able to support you through today, why you chose to apply. I want to just get a little sense of who you are, what you do, and why you chose to be here with me today. Yes. Thank you so much for having me and for including me. And um, yes, I... I guess the first question, my name is Nkechi. I am a mindfulness practitioner. I'm an artist. I'm a neuroscientist and choreographer. And I am always, I mean, as a, not to bring astrology into this conversation, but as... Oh, please, (laughs) would you? (laughs) Please. I feel like often as a Gemini, there's a lot of things that I'm kind of processing at one time. And I feel like I've been given the advice over the years from therapists, from coaches to focus on one thing. And I think that the thing that I am doing with my life is kind of actually blending the things together. And it's taken me a while to sort of understand what that's going to look like without a clear roadmap. And so that's part of the reason why I was so interested in speaking with you is I know you work with um, brands and entrepreneurs and and I love like the modality of coaching. I feel like it can be really transformative and I've worked with many coaches um, in my life and I I feel like I've never really... Well, I haven't received any coaching around this particular thing, um, but also, yeah, I'm always just so curious of, of what lands, what works, what is truly transformative and disruptive, and also the process of un- uncovering it all. I love that. So it's so interesting that you brought up astrology, Gemini, blending, because then I saw your hands come together and even your nails, you know, one hand is one color and the other is another. So it's like, wow. You know, and when I hear you say that people are often telling you to, you know, refine, 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 pick one thing. Um, I'm, I feel like the universe put us together because that is so opposite of my message, which is find a way to make all the things that light you up, like find a way to do them all. Um, or at least the ones that make most sense at the right time. So, excuse me, you're definitely in the right place. So let's let's start by getting a really clear sense of again you you shared the the things that you do. I'd love to hear what are the things that you do that make you money. And it, um, I'm going to write them down. And if you have a paper, you can write them down as well. Um, although I'm sure you know what they are. But so you mentioned you're a neuro neuroscientist. Yeah, I am. <laughs> you smart. Okay. Okay, so neuroscientist, are you working in that in, in any capacity? I am. Or are you using your yeah, wisdom? Yeah, so to I'm talk not working in that. a research lab anymore. I'm not conducting uh, studies, but I am writing sort of popular neuroscience articles about the way in which mindfulness informs areas that I'm interested in, such as wellness and 
um, creativity, focus, attention, managing stress, managing overwhelm, mindfulness around boundary setting. So basically, the way that I earn money is through teaching and public speaking. I also earn money as an art director, um, photo shoot producer, choreographer. Um, Yeah, my income is pretty split, but I would say that the majority of my income right now during this particular season of life is through um, public classes, which are obviously virtual right now, and Mm -hmm. um, kind of corporate teaching. So corporate teaching can either be mindfulness meditation classes that are about 30 minutes long and also um, workshops an hour long or public speaking that includes kind of my ethos of mindfulness. So that's the majority of how I'm earning money right now. Okay, great. And if you could, uh, you know, turn some dials and shift the way that you're making money, do you have a sense of like, are you happy with the the mix right now? Or do you wish that you were, you were making more from a different avenue? Um, talk to me a little bit about yes. that. So at this point in life, I feel that it is important for me to have a way to sort of passively earn that doesn't require me to be in front of a screen at a scheduled time. So I'm Mm -hmm. looking to create and build a library that is um, digital and people can access this at their leisure and it doesn't really have Mm -hmm. to involve me. (laughs) Whereas right now the structure of how I earn money is I'm scheduled for a 12 o'clock class or a nine o'clock class, or I'm giving a talk at 5 p.m. And that's great. I love the live experience and... You know, if 10 people, 20 people, 100 people show up for that, it's great. And, you know, I would love for my content to be and teaching to be available to many people who maybe can't get to the computer at 12 or don't even know to get to their computer. Like, I just feel like they're... When I think of mindfulness and like the actual offering, it's like, it's not a set meditation class to go to. It's really a lifestyle. And I want to be able to express that more fully than I'm able to in a 30 minute class. Yeah. So that's really the desire so, I have right now. Great. So are you making steps in that direction? Do you have a plan? Are you working on it? What's yeah, where are you at? the plan is like some like scribbled ideas in my notebook, like, I know that I want to offer a course and or subscription-based program. Okay. And because I have a list of workshops I've done and I have a library of meditations that I've offered, I have the content and I have articles that I've written. I have content. It's just structuring. And like even thinking about marketing or like, what else to include. There's like way more ideas to that. Like what other products can I create to support this mindful lifestyle? (laughs) Um, Sure. Whether it's a meditation cushion, I make those. Um, And also maybe it's like a sort of like wisdom deck that can inspire inquiry or journal prompts. So there's like a lot of things that I feel like I would would have wanted at the beginning of my journey with this practice. And 
And then, so mindfulness feels very clear, um, but there's the somatic component that I that does not feel clear to me that must be included. And um, and so one of the things I've learned from my work in movement and choreography and dance is that dance is truly medicinal and a really it, very similar to mindfulness. It's a really important way for us to understand ourselves and develop body literacy, but it is like really hard to kind of experience that via audio or text. It really needs to be experienced in the body. And I'm not sure how to do that. So that's where I'm kind of stuck. Yeah, great. So I think I've identified what we want to focus on today. (laughs) Amazing. Which is um, how you develop a structure for your offerings, figuring out, defining what your offerings will be and what modalities you will use um, to offer them to start talking a little bit about a marketing plan and then to get a little more clear on your product offerings. Does that sound sound like a fair? (laughs) Okay, cool. So it's a lot to go through in one hour. (laughs) So we we're going to try to touch on a piece of everything to get you some first next steps to sort of get the ball rolling. Um, But full disclosure, you know, each one of these things is a big piece of work and I think if our goal together today can be to identify a few first next steps for each category, you'll, you'll be starting to move forward and, and moving a little bit through some fear of the unknown. Um, it sounds to me like you're very clear on your expertise. You're very clear on your offerings. You're very comfortable um, in your power. I think that the areas that are st- sticking you up are these three that we just discussed. So yeah, does that sound thank okay to you? And I have my notebook. Okay. Okay. I'm like... Going to be Perfect. taking notes. Perfect. Although I could always just re-listen, yes. but yes, I'm a, but I don't know. There's something to the notes. exactly. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, and I'm also a huge believer in like dance having the power to transform. Um, I, I, am just. I'm just so happy that you and I are speaking because I'm like so into what you're doing and I can't wait to see what you build. Um, So let's talk about it. So first let's talk about the structure. So it sounds to me like, and and I want to sort of step back a minute and just reflect something to you, which is that when you share all the different things that you offer, I know that other voices have told you that you need to pick one and focus, but to me, it all fits. It's all, it's all under this umbrella and I think it's just each, each one of those things is a different offering that you're going to share with this community of people who want to live a more fulfilling life or want to feel more connected. Do you have language about that? Like who your audience is? Yeah, I wrote it down somewhere, um, but the gist of it, sorry, it's not going to be like the yeah. most articulate, um, is my interest is really guiding people into greater ease within their own bodies and from there understanding the innate wisdom and enoughness that exists there Mm. um, for a more self-expressed life. I love it. That you'll, you'll massage that you'll work on that. Um, That's something we can do together at some point if you'd like, but I don't really need to dive into that because right now, because you're very, very close to like right on it. So 
Um, fantastic. So let's talk first about your, um, your structure, because I think you've already outlined a little bit your offerings. So you have said that you want to do a course, a subscription, something like that. To me, it makes it makes very good sense for you to offer a an like a audio meditation series and for you to offer a video movement series what's coming up for you i'm i'm thinking ugh that means i have to be in front of the camera <laughs> yeah it's really hard it's really hard but Um, that's something that I'm also processing through. Cause again, I'm also in production. I'm used to being behind the camera and just making the things in front of it happen. And then just like, you did great, (laughs) but never having to have it right in front of me. And this works really well for me. I sat down, um, with a full studio, studio of gear and our fancy camera. And I was just to record my own course. And I was like, I don't want to do this. This is terrible. And I completely shut down. And so I moved to a modality that works for me, which is this one, where there is a person in front of me and we can have that give and take and I'm not just speaking into a void. Mm. Um, As a public speaker, you get so much of, we get so much of our energy, right, from, from the audience. So I wonder if there's a way to offer some of these things or to repurpose your live or Zoom or, you know, recorded offerings to repurpose them into a paid portal how does you're nodding emphatically so tell me how does that feel for you does that feel like that's yeah I think it's definitely a possibility I think that um I have been asked to contribute to another portal of like in terms of movement and I just have been finding and I've discussed this with this with who hosts this portal and it really just has been sticky for me and I've been I've been thinking about like what's a way for it to like not feel like it has to be through my body. Um, and I have just now had the idea that if, if I was going to do video movement series, like it'd be really cool to hire dancers and I could still do audio and sort of allow for the teaching to exist within the body of the person that's, that's moving in front of the camera. It doesn't have to be me. Um, I could definitely do Mm -hmm. some of them, but I think my perfectionism is really the issue. It's like, I don't, it's, it's hard to like be your, your entire production staff. It's like, no, there's no one to tell me that my hair is like doing something weird or that like, you know, my shirt's off my collar when I don't want it to be. And so it just feels like it would be a lot of time. And that being said, it'd be like, there is a way, as you were describing, like what modality would work for you, like the idea of still being kind of in the choreographer seat or even the producer seat would be great for Mm -hmm. me. (laughs) I love that. So write that down. I think that's super smart. And that's also going to give you a, uh, that's going to give you two other benefits. One is that it's going to show a diversity of, of look of, of body type, um, it, so that everybody has a chance to see a piece of themselves in, in that lesson, um, or at least mm-hmm. across the suite in a lesson. And then I think that the other piece of that is that, um, there, those people are going to help be a marketing ambassador for you 
because those people are going to say, I took part in this thing. Look how great it was. Um, and maybe you give them a discount code or, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about marketing. But um, I love that. And then that allows you to stay in the seat of the producer and the seat of the choreographer and the seat of the director and the orator um, where you are most comfortable. Does that feel like yeah. a... Yeah, Good that actually feels okay. like a really beautiful solution that had never occurred to me. <laughs> I'm so glad. Okay, perfect. See? Love it. Fantastic. Okay, good. So we talked about the audio meditation. We talked about the video uh, physical movement, somatic movement. And I, um, we don't need to talk about what was coming. Pretend I didn't say anything. Um, okay, we talked about audio. We talked about video. Um, let's talk a little bit about text because you are a public speaker. You are a writer. Um, cause to be a speaker, you have to be a writer. Um, so are there, is there something that you offer that could be best shared through, uh, written? The yeah. Written so all of my talks are articles I've already written <laughs> or vice versa. Perfect. I write a talk and then I'm like, Oh yeah. yeah, this should just be a blog post or an article that I published somewhere. Yeah. Um, and, you know, eventually that could be an ebook, eventually could be like a book on a shelf. Like, I definitely want to be thinking about writing a book next year. Um, I feel like I kind of need to do this part first because great. I still think I'm in like the content generating, even though I already have so much, um, there are still practice goals that I want to be mastered at before I go into writing, which is like being able to weave in wisdom or like, you know, kind of the, in the Buddhist tradition, Dharma, you know, I want to be able to not just guide a meditation, but also like make it practical to everyday life, which is bizarre at this time, but you know, it's still really indicative of how we're living and sort of the challenges we face, whether it's <laughs> being confined to a space and not feeling spacious, whether it's like change in like how we steward our resources or what, what do we do for connection? How do we date in this <laughs> period of time, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, these are all things yeah. that are still qu- questions and concerns of students and clients of mine. And, um, and so I'm trying to th- to learn how to address it within the context of a meditation. I haven't mastered this yet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that that's a fantastic, worthy, uh, worthy goal. You know, the closer you get to that, the better you will serve your students and your community. Um, and I think that the best way to do that is to practice, practice, practice. So what is an outlet that you have at your disposal right now where you could practice that telling a story, weaving in a lesson, tying it back to everyday life? I have an answer, but I'm going to see if you have an answer. Because it's more important that you have an answer than that I have an answer. (laughs) I'd love to hear your answer. Um, I teach regular classes. And so even though the current offering structure is a guided meditation, it's interesting because I've always wanted to include this and I just haven't. And I need to understand, I'd like to understand why I haven't done it, but I have opportunity to, to just start it with the classes I'm already teaching. And there's about, I teach about four classes a week. So I have a lot of opportunity. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, Excellent. I think it's more, um, you know, I think I'm just afraid, actually. I think that there are themes. I've started introducing themes, and that feels a lot easier with the basis of, like, quotes from, like, other teachers. But I have a lot of my own content, too, that I'm just not using because I'm like, is it even is it even wise? <laughs> like, what do I know? You know, um, but I could challenge myself there. I invite you to. I really think um, I think that people connect to people and especially right now, people are so desperate to feel connected and seen and to see, especially because we aren't able to do those in-person things that like you, where you can convey so much just with an embrace. We don't have that right now. So if you share from your heart, if you are willing to strip away some of that perfectionism, knowing that it's never going to be always right, it's never, it's never going to be a hundred percent. It can't be because you're a perfectionist and you're expecting 200%, right? Yeah. And like 75 is better than better than good. So if you can strip away some of that perfectionism, if you can be willing to be vulnerable, knowing that you are in service of other people and knowing that Mm. when you are vulnerable, you're giving permission for your community to rise to that vulnerability and do the same thing. And I would say this is a practice that you can cultivate in your classes You can also cultivate that practice online. Um, There, again, in the interest of repurposing content, like if you're going to make it, you might as well make it and share it in all the places. Um, There is a really, this is a practical tool. Um, There is a tool called Temi, T-E-M-I, and it is a transcription software. Thank you. It is, yes. I'm like so glad that the universe works in the way I was like meaning to research transcription <laughs> services today. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. thank you for that. The universe provides. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Doesn't she? So, okay. So yeah, Temi is great. And so what I would say is that when you're giving these classes, you simultaneously record them. You then run your recording through the transcription software. You make the couple of edits. It actually, what it does is it connects the audio file to the words like karaoke. It bounces them. This is what I use for all of my productions whenever I'm, whenever I'm editing or writing a story. Um, and it saves days. Days. So you'll, you'll do that. And then you, you repurpose that story to, on Instagram. And you let people connect to it through text. You know, your students got to connect from your heart, through your words, through the audio, but then you're, you know, online, they connect through the text and then maybe you repackage it and you put it into a meditation in your, in your, uh, portal. And I think that, um, the more it's going to be so scary, it's going to be so scary to tell that story from your childhood. It's going to be so scary to open those, you know, to open that door for whatever it was that we experienced as, ch- as children, whatever rejection we felt. It's going to be so scary and it's going to be scary the first hundred times you do it. And then you're going to, you're going to get brave and it's going to just flow from you. And then people, the right people are going to connect to that message. The wrong people were never your people to begin with. And then you'll be on a roll. 
how can we get you through that perfectionism thing? Because I feel like that is going to stop you before you even get started, potentially, if you yeah. want. What can I mean, I'm definitely in the work of, like, trusting that, like, the only thing that makes me feel better about my perfectionism is that my good is better than most people. <laughs> feels good yeah like I feel I mean I'm you know at a place in my career where I'm pretty confident in my ability to to do something if I if I work hard at it or if I do it enough times like if I'm practiced and I have like enough life experience enough years of doing something to for that to be true for me um yeah I think that I'm currently you know, maybe it's Venus in retrograde. Maybe it's this, whatever it is. I'm like definitely interested in being um, seen more in vulnerability and not in a way that's like performative. Um, I, I'm very, very aware of what performance feels like because I've been a performer my whole life. Um, and that's probably why I have like, probably why I have this crazy perfectionism around being, you know, in front of a camera, but also knowing what it is that I'm going to say, or like having everything scripted. Like I've been in a practice of being comfortable, just talking, being put on the spot by people's questions, being comfortable with saying, I don't know the answer. Let me follow up with you. Like that's been the last, like five to seven years. Um, it's just like an up-leveling, I guess, of like it being my, I guess it feels, yeah, using my own stories. Like I definitely do that in the talks that I give. Um, but they have more wisdom than just me being like, I started dancing when I was three and then I had anxiety and then I studied neuroscience. Like that's an easy story for me to tell right now because it's, it doesn't get into like the subtext or the layers of like what I'm actually doing day to day now that is still informed by those decisions. And so to answer your question, probably a little bit of what I'm doing now, but like maybe could do more or like I could share something more scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's, what's the scariest thing? you could share? Um, this, and you don't have to give me the yeah. full story. I'm like, I probably would, but, but I think like the, yeah. the high level cliff notes of like the scariest thing would be sort of overcoming like really subversive insecurities, I guess, that I've had my whole life of just feeling inferior. And I think a lot of that has to do with being a woman of color. And I think that there is this like whole other set of stories that that come with that lived experience that Mm -hmm. I just don't talk about. I talk about, I don't even really address like race or gender in my work even though I because I feel like it's kind of obvious because of who it's being delivered by um and I noticed I had a talk last week 
where I was trying to highlight um, black female voices within the context of my talk. And I found myself getting really nervous, even just reading other women's. I get really nervous when I talk about race and politics. And I've been, you know, in a couple situations this year where I've been, I've been asked to do that women's March. And I feel like if I'm going to talk about my, it's political. I mean, for me, mindfulness is a social justice practice too, but I don't ever explicitly say that. And so I think it'd be very scary to talk about that and to also talk about like repetitive trauma of, of relationships, like over time, Mm. you know, and, and how race Mm -hmm. kind of affects that too. So what I would invite you to do is under the category of race and under the category of gender, I would invite you to brainstorm like five stories. And these are like hyper specific, not about what's happening globally in the world, but but what has happened for you or to you and how you reacted or responded or both what it, the effect that it had on you and the work you've done to move through that. And you don't ever, ever have to share these things with anybody because you don't owe anybody that. You do not have to put your trauma on display to be valued and valid. You don't, but you can. You don't have to, but you can. And it doesn't ever have to be performative. It doesn't ever have to be for someone else. It can purely be because you have that story to share. And by sharing it, it allows someone else to see a window into a world that either is theirs or that they never would have had a chance to see into any other way. And it doesn't have to be, you don't have to talk about, you don't have to call out that it's a racial story. Just like you said, it just it, it, it's going to be. And, you know, I'm a white lady, so I'm, I can't really hope to hope to tell you how to address race. All I can hope to say is that um, if you feel called to share it, then there is a there is an audience that is called to hear it. And, um, you know, I'll be right there waiting to 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 read every single word of it. So that's my invitation is to is to challenge you to to write some of those stories down just to strengthen that mm-hmm. bravery muscle. And I want to um I want to also I want to also call out for you that that I'm hearing that there is a piece of fear of rejection. Is that a fair assessment do you feel like that's true for you oh, a little bit yeah. that, like I mean, if you so share so many mm-hmm. so many things are related to that yeah 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 so i i have um in a in a similar but different vein i have been challenged to decide uh do i do I lean into my Jewishness online? Like, do I share the stories of, of my experience as a Jewish child growing up in a not Jewish community? 
Do I share the stories of being a woman in a male dominated field? Do I do that? And the, the response that I, like the way that I have shown up in that is that sometimes I do and sometimes I don't, and it's never for someone else. It's for me. Um, and it's never the, the headline of the story, Jewish lady X or like female Y it's, that's the, the part that comes through. Um, and I don't know, for me, I think it's like, I don't want to be seen as that. I want to be seen for my credentials. I want to be seen for what I've done in the world. I don't want to be seen for these things that I didn't have any control over, you know, and that are just such a part of me, as much a part of me as my foot is, you know? So I don't know if that is at all reflective of what you're experiencing, but um, I just wanted to say it just in case it helped give you a little more yeah. support around. Sharing. I relate. Definitely. I mean, I, I grew up oddly, I grew up in an all Jewish neighborhood and our family was the only non-Jewish family. And incidentally, the only family of color, I have an immigrant parent. And I think that like, there's a lot of nuance to my identity culturally racially, also in terms of class and like socioeconomics. And I think that like that actually, when you, when you say fear of rejection, I think it's, I think it's what's difficult for me is all of these things, just as you've described, all of these things, I'm really aware that they make up who I am in terms of like what I like and where I choose, you know, where I choose to live and how I, where I went to school and all these things. And that is not, um, that's not necessarily what people, I mean, it is what people experience, but I think that there's this whole other idea of who I'm supposed to be, um, based on phenotype. And that has always been a really difficult conversation because in a lot of ways, I don't know, you know, like I just, and, and I've experienced rejection from a lot of different people, a lot of different people groups. So, um, so it's interesting. It's like, it is a big theme for sure. Um, Mm -hmm. and also, you know, why I, why I even chose to study what I study. I think a lot of my anxiety comes from belonging and not belonging and yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of content there. I think there's a lot of context there. I think there's a lot of sharing opportunity there, a lot of connection Mm -hmm. points. Um, and I, so I would really encourage you to write that down as well as some of those things to give you some fuel for that, for that piece of work. Um, I think there's so much there to share and I'm just like, I'm like dying to hear it all. So please, please take the challenge (laughs) and write it down. I can't wait to read it. So, okay, so we talked about text, we talked about audio, we talked about video, we talked about text. Um, Is there anything else that you offer besides the stuff that's going to go in your shop? Is there anything else that you offer that can't fit into one of those three modalities or that we haven't discussed how it's going to fit into one of those three modalities? three modalities being audio, audio, video, video, correct. Um... Yeah, kind of. Um, So the choreographer in me wants to be able to create live performance. Um, Again, I'm not sure how I'm going to do this. I've traditionally done it, you know, with with dance photography and like 
I've made some short um, movement videos and film, and I'm interested in kind of exploring that down the road. Um, but I don't feel like I know of a way to, yeah, make dance film, dance experience, dance performance consumable in a non-traditional way. I'm still kind of like trying to figure that out. I also make meditation cushions, which could actually go, mm -hmm. not, it's not one of those three categories, but it totally supplements. And like the, the wisdom deck that I was telling you about, like it prompt. Those go oh, in your shop. shop. Okay. That's what you meant by shop. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So there's a yeah, shop. Yeah, yeah. Then there's like the portal and then there is performance. There's like me, there's actually just me as an, as an artist who, um, you know, can speak on many things and can be many things in the space of, of art. <laughs> Oftentimes yeah. when I'm, you know, producing a photo shoot, I'll like stand in and hand model or, you know, also style and, those things are really fun. They don't really relate to like the mindful library. <laughs> it can, but sure, like, yeah. sure. So here's what I'm imagining. I I, I sort of think um, when I think about this stuff, I start to see a website in my head. You know, like a where's a place that yeah. all this is gonna live. And what I see is not audio, video, text, shop. I see meditation, movement, bookings, and shop. And meditation is where your audio files live and perhaps eventually, you know, a daily meditation ebook. I don't know. Your movement is where your uh, video, your movement videos live and maybe eventually um, some of your art, some of your, you know, art that has been brought to life. Your bookings is where your speaking engagements can be booked where you showcase live event opportunities for people to buy tickets, where you house live workshops, anything that people, anything that has a, has a, a date attached to it, those things that you're trying to sort of step further away from, but that are still your bread and butter right now, those all live under bookings and then get repurposed into the other things. And then your shop is where the meditation cushion lives, where your um, deck lives, where your, um, you know, whatever it is that you create, like say you, you know, create like a cleansing bundle or you create a, a room spray or you create a, I don't know, there's a million things that you could create. Eventually your eBooks, eventually your physical book. Um, that all lives under shop. And then of course there's a tab that's about that talks about how you're a neuroscientist with this background and that you believe in this and you believe in that and you serve this audience and this community in these ways. And then here, you know, some testimonials. How does that sound? Does that feel like it starts to capture the things that you do? Yes. The part that feels, and so this is great because I am building a new website that is like not Perfect. a creative agency, <laughs> but my own, um, just like mm -hmm. my name. Um, and the way that I had thought about it was, you know, wellness, artist, and public speaker. Like I was thinking those would be the categories. And there are like other projects that I do that I have like not mentioned in this conversation yet. Um, sure. Cause it's not necessarily what 
I feel like stuck around, but they do sort of fold in and maybe, maybe it feels too compartmentalized to have them, you know, where they exist right now, but there's a music and meditation project that I just launched, um, which, which is a completely different offering because it involves another person who plays live music. Um, and he also, he and I, Corey Tawu is, is his name, um, and I also work together in movement as well. So we do have an opportunity with the Kennedy Center coming up next month where we'll do our music and meditation. He'll also be scoring movement. So I will be performing. God, I mean, I'm totally terrified. <laughs> but um, there is like that. And then I also, am, I will be launching a podcast on relationships. So there with another, with a co-host. So there are these other projects I'm doing with other people that sort of feed into like the bigger picture of like what I'm doing, but Mm -hmm. don't feel like, I don't know, maybe they should live on the same website or it's a link to go out or something, but. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, a couple things I, I really encourage you to, to think about the way that you showcase your work less around what you do and more about how you serve your audience. So it's not about, um, it's not artist, right? It's what's for them. It's not who you are. It's what do you do for them? Which is why I say meditation, movement, bookings, shop is it's, it's stepping out. It, people need to, people need to know what's in it for them, for them to take an action. And you could be the, you could be Picasso, but if you say to someone, you're an artist versus, uh, versus transformative art that's going to make you love your kitchen you know what I'm saying like versus like uh, I've got great art versus love your kitchen again it's like a different a different message entirely so always put your seat yourself in the seat of the of the audience and like what is in it for them I also want to say that like your work at the Kennedy Center that's a booking right so if that's a live thing that people can buy a ticket to that goes under your events and then gets repurposed eventually into your meditation channel because it's music and meditation. And you can figure out with your creative partner how you're going to sell it, how you're going to split that revenue if there is some. Um, That can all happen. Same with the podcast. I would say that the podcast, unless someone is paying you money to do it, that is a marketing channel. It's, It's an offering. It's a free offering. So what's in it for your audience is that it's a way for them to get a taste of who you are, what you do. They get to learn something for free. For you, it's a way for you to showcase your value and to get people in to to seeing what you can do. And hopefully, eventually, they will take an, an action, although they'll want more from those offerings. And I would say like podcast belongs in that tab once it's live and launched. It's, it turns into meditation, movement, bookings, shop, podcast, or shop should always be on the far right, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that what I would encourage you to do is start to figure out if these resonate for you, if it is, in fact, meditation, movement, bookings, podcast, shop, and then everything you do, figure out where does it fit there? Is it a booking? Is it a movement? 
is it a meditation? And if there's another broad scope category that you're going to add, then you have to gut check and you say, is this its own thing truly, really? Or does it actually fit within the meditation, within the movement, within the bookings? You know, bookings is another word for teaching. It's another word for live event. It's another word for um, workshop. It's the way that we're Mm -hmm. lumping all those things in. Mm -hmm. So in the interest of time, I want to move us into um, a conversation about marketing, Mm -hmm. if we may. Does that sound okay? Thank you. Cool. So I feel like we've talked a lot about structure, and I'd like to talk a little bit about marketing. Um, How are you... Well, so first you're going to have to build this stuff, right? Before you can sell it. First you have to build it. And I think that um, a lot of it is already built, and it's just a matter of making the time to repurpose it. So do you have a plan for how that's going to happen? Like, are you going to hire somebody to do it? Are you going to do it yourself and carve out two hours a day? Like, what what is your plan? I don't have one. Um, I think that I, I think my plan thus far is um, working on it bit by bit and launching okay. it, you know, sometime in June. And then, but no, nothing more than just... June. That's like, okay, like mid to late June could be, you know, six weeks or so. That's enough time. Like I'll just work on it bit by bit, but I don't have in terms of like how many hours a day am I going to work on it? Um, I am interviewing like an assistant type person who might be able to help, but I think being more intentional about this is how this person will help me. Um, I am talking to a curriculum developer because I am I'm thinking that with my courses, I want them to have some intentionality. I don't just want it to be like a bunch of a la carte like lessons. Like I want there mm-hmm. to feel a little bit more thematic. So they're very high level theme, like high level plans, but nothing like I am hiring yeah. this person. This is how many hours they can work for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so before we get into marketing, let's talk a little bit more, a little bit more about this. Cause I really want to make sure that you are able to take action after this conversation. Um, and again, this is like so many conversations that could be had, but because we have this one now, I want to get to a couple more things. Um, I would encourage you to pick one thing to start with, probably meditation because it's going to be faster to produce. And you pick a figure, like how many would you be comfortable launching with? 10 meditations, five meditations, and then you, you know, 20 meditations, 50, I don't know, whatever the figure is. And right now, even before you've, you build them, you start marketing them. You just like, you're committed, it's happening, So start letting people know that this is something that they can sign up for the early updates list for. Let people know that you're building this thing and like what what lessons have they loved from you? Hey, share this with a friend. You know, here's a, you know, sign up for the early updates list and you'll get a special discount code for the first, you know, 100 members. You know, and think about if you want it to be a monthly membership versus if you want people to buy them, you know, two bucks per listen, or if you want to do a Patreon and like have people donate, think about that stuff. And these are all conversations we can have, but not right now. Um, and, and then start 
telling people it's happening because that's also going to hold you accountable and light a fire under your ass. Because if you don't do that, the deadline could just keep getting pushed out and out and out and out. And we don't want that to happen. And, and I just pick one, pick, pick one category to start with, go all in, build it, and then move to the next category. You can't, it's it, you can, but I don't recommend building everything all at once because then you have a lot of, a, a, you have great breadth, but very shallow depth. I would say go deep and then go deep to the next category, go deep to the next category. And maybe that's what people are saying when they say pick a thing is like, go all in on that and then move to the yeah. next. But that, so I guess, I guess I agree <laughs> with them if that's what they're saying. Okay. Does that sound mm-hmm. fair? Okay. I, I have so much more I want us to talk about. So I'm just going to have to like put all my, all the other things I have to say about that on a shelf <laughs> and moving into marketing. Okay. So we started talk, talking about it already. Let your audience know it's coming. Do you already have an email list that you've been building? Vaguely. Okay. It's never been used. So we need before. to do that. Yeah. Fine. It doesn't matter if it's ever been used. You just ha- it's good that you have one. Um, do you have any sense of how many people are on that list? Is it on it's paper? It's definitely on paper. Putting... It's like people who have come to classes. Okay. Um, Great. It might be like 50 to 100. It's like very small. Great. Great. Um, so it's good that you have one and anybody who's listening, if you are, um, you know, a person that's trying to sell something, share something, you got to start building your email list five years ago. So we, if we don't, if we haven't been doing it, let's at least start doing it now. Um, so I would say another channel for you to build that list is to reach back out to all those partners with whom, um, or, you know, who hired you to do something or with whom you partnered to do a thing and let them know that you are going to be offering this new thing. And do they have a list of the people who came to your thing? That's ask number one is, do you have a list that you can share with me? And ask two is, if not, and maybe even yes, if, when I launch it, would you be willing to share it with your community? And I can give you a discount code. And then number three is this is sort of like the levels of no, right? If they say no to the first one, then you ask for the second. If they say no to the second, you ask for the third, which is that what if I give you a piece? So what if I give you a code and you become an affiliate and say I sell it for 10 bucks, they get $2 off and you get a $2 kickback. No sweat for you because it's like $6 or $0. My math's not right. Yeah, it is. Six, seven, eight, nine. My math is right. My math is never right. (laughs) All right. Um, Do you know what I'm saying? Okay. So you have built a nice following on social media. Are you active there? So like I said, start letting people know it's coming. Invite people to sign up for your email list. Invite them to share with a friend. You can, you can also consider discount things like when you do launch that it's like a two for one, you know, friends can split it or you pay for one, you get two memberships or you get, you know, you buy one meditation, you get two. And I would say, you know, you put out one for free and that's it. You're giving them, you're going to give them a free podcast. You're going to give them one free thing. And you also, um, If you, I give advice differently depending on where you are financially. 
So if you are a person, if you are able to still make a living during right now, or if you have are on, on un, unemployment, or if you have found some other way to bring in an income, then you can be softer about your marketing approach. You don't have to be so hungry. You can give away a little more for free. You can give people a trial subscription. Um, you can, you know, do a little bit more of that. If you are really needing to make the money from this thing, then you might want to take a more aggressive approach and you might want to actually run some ads to bring people in. You might want to, um, you know, find a few more partners that you pay money to, to showcase the work that you do. You might want to do some of that. Um, but if you haven't already seen it on my webpage on goinglegit.co, right there on the homepage, there is a free, uh, four-step marketing plan downloadable. And I would encourage you to print that out and to work it because it has like, I don't know, 30 different marketing channels on it. And it'll take you through a process to figure out who is, what is it, what is the specific thing that you're selling? So like your meditation channel, um, who exactly is this audience? So like maybe one of your audiences is like, women between the ages of 25 and 35 and another audience is men between the ages of whatever um, who are of you know who make this kind of money who do this kind of work who care about this kind of thing it'll take you through that whole process and then it brings you into these channels so like cool do I need a YouTube channel probably not do I need a this do I need a that like has that worked in the past it'll take you through that whole thing and then basically after doing pages of those for all your different people you have a marketing strategy and a plan so because again, in the interest of time, we can't go too deep in that. But um, the one thing I will say about marketing is that there will be 8 million ideas that will be thrown at you, that will spark in the back of your mind. What matters most is that you pick like the two or three that you're willing to try at a time. Because again, it's the, sa it's the same as building it. It's the same with marketing it. If you're too diffuse in your message, then like the message isn't going to come through at all. Yes. Okay. Because I know I just threw a lot at you right now. And the natural reaction is to shut down completely and say, I'm not going to do any of it because this all sounds wackadoodle and I'm not doing it. But if you can pick the one thing that sounded okay or the two things that sounded like maybe worth a shot, like that's all you really need to do. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. It's a yeah. lot. I think that like, yeah. I think that it really like what's coming up for me is feeling like I need support in kind of this part of it. Like mm -hmm. I really, and probably the reason why I teach in the capacity that I teach is because I just show up and teach and like, that's like what I really enjoy doing this yeah. the idea of like decision making or like marketing or tracking putting together email it like that to me feels exhausting and so yeah. I'm wondering like what you'd recommend for like what the what the right kind of person to support with that sort of thing because like that sounds like it that actually sounds like a business like that needs mm -hmm. to have attention to it. Whereas like, 
right now the opportunity sort of just like come to me in an email, like, yeah. you know, and I prefer that honestly, but it's not scalable. Yeah. So like, that's kind of what I'm realizing is that while I have a lot of resistance to creating some sort of structure and infrastructure, I feel like it's necessary. Also, it doesn't really exist. Like, yes, there's calm and there's headspace and there's different meditation apps, but it feels kind of noisy because it's different people. And it's, I don't know, I think like, there are definitely teachers out there who you can, you can continue listening to their practice and really feel like they're your teacher. And I think that that's like one of the things I'm interested in. So it does feel important that it's like me. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I feel like I need like a team of people and I just like don't know even who to hire. Like who would that yeah. team be? Yeah. yeah. So there's a couple different ways that people approach this and it really depends on your budget and your, you know, your sort of your need. So what some people will do is they will hire a person at a fat salary because this is, it is a big job. I mean, market, I don't know where you live, but marketing directors probably in the Bay area, marketing directors in the Bay area make like 150 base salary. Um, that is not something <laughs> that a small business like you or even a business like mine can afford. I don't have a marketing arm. Uh, I don't have a, per- I, I'm not willing to pay that to someone to, to run my marketing, um, even for my production company. So, um, you know, that being off the table, there's a couple of ways. I mean, maybe it's not, maybe you just have money and you can do that. And if that's the case, then you find the very best person you can and you tell them exactly what your goals are. And you say, I want to be making a million dollars at this point, And I want to be reaching, you know, 800,000 people to do that. Um, and you let them come up with a strategy and then you just give them freedom to run. If that is not the case, then you then there's a couple other ways to go. One is to managing manage the marketing yourself and know that you're going to go slower and that that's okay. Um, in that being the case, <clears throat> you would probably want to work with somebody like a marketing strategist, like that's one of the services that I offer in my mentorship work where someone would write you a marketing strategy and a plan and would work with you directly to implement that plan. And every week or every couple of weeks, there would be a check-in around like, how are these tactics working? What are the next steps? And and through that, you would learn how it's sort of like teach, teach you to fish kind of thing. So that through the course of that work, you are more comfortable taking that piece on, but you have been supported and you have a plan that you're working against. The other way to do that, still in that context, if you don't want to do any of that, you don't, you don't want to push the buttons, you don't want to write the posts, or maybe you'll, you're willing to write the posts, but you don't want to design them, or you don't want to, you know, go in the back end and pick the, the tags, then what you would do is you would work with somebody like a strategist like me, or someone else, and you would also have your coordinator or your assistant or your associate. And the three of us slash the three of you would have these conversations together. The strategist would come up with the plan. You would say what, what works and what doesn't work for you and your business and what you have the stomach for. And then your, your associate would be that other leg of the table or end of the triangle. And then they would implement it so that you don't have to. 
There is an additional way to do it, which is to hire somebody that has um, a higher level marketing acumen at, a, at an assistant sort of salary. And you work with them to come up with a strategy and a tactic, maybe taking some of the things that we've already talked about and you give it to them and you say, this is part of your work order. And then they go and do it for you. Um, so I would say those are some of the ways to proceed. Knowing that you are not interested in this piece, that it is not your comfort, that it is not, um, it does not light you up and it in fact dims your shine and makes you feel like you just like, I'd rather sleep than do that. Um, then I would not recommend that you take that on. I would recommend that you pick a different avenue and, and pursue it. And you can always try some stuff. And if it doesn't work, you try something different. And if you if you think you find the right person and they're not the right person, then you just pivot and you find somebody else. Um, but particularly when finding support, I'm sure you know this, but hire slowly, fire quickly. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I know that was like a big, da- another big download, but sometimes that's just how my mouth goes. Yeah. That's. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Processing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and again, you will be able to listen to this. You will be able to hear this again. And, and I think part of the beauty of a conversation like this is that some of the stuff's going to stick and some of the stuff is going to one ear and out the other. And that's the stuff that wasn't meant to stick anyway. That's the stuff that would not work for you anyway. So you don't have to grasp too hard for it. Like you'll look back at your notes. What did you write down? What are you thinking about later? Those are the things to work towards. Um, And I just want to remind you, like, nothing good happens overnight. I don't know. Have you been baking sourdough bread in quarantine? Okay. Have you seen that other people are doing that? Deliver it to me. That's how I would prefer to consume sourdough. Perfect. (laughs) Same. Also me. My husband's been making the sourdough bread, and I've just been like, what the hell is taking you so long? Why is this a six-day process? Well, because anything good takes yeah. takes time. That's yeah, my analogy. I believe you know? that. It's so true. Yeah. And we don't want to do that yeah. part. So let's find Agreed. someone else who's yeah. going to do that for us. Yeah. Who can deliver us the, the, the sour Right. As right. <laughs> so we have talked, I just, before we close, I just want to um, do a quick brain dump about products because part of what you, what you shared at the beginning was that, you know, you're not even sure what products to offer. But I think you, you are meditation cushions, your inspiration deck. Is there anything else you've been thinking about noodling on, like that's been coming up for you that you've been sort of dreaming about or that you've seen someone else do and you say, I could do that too, or, or I wish I could do that too. It's super like not even related. It's like children's stories. It's like very not in the realm of anything that I do. Yeah, except, I mean, but are they around mindfulness? Are they like teaching? They, they they aren't, but they could be. Yeah, so I mean, I would say this is this is where again I will agree with the people who came before me and say that putting your energy into yeah. that is going to slow you yeah. down on this. I agree. It's a choice, yeah. and it's perfectly okay either way. Um, but just know that it's a choice, and where you put your energy, that's that's where where energy goes, where energy flows, you know, I don't know, whatever the people say about that. So is there anything that you were hoping we would talk about today that we didn't have a chance to get to? 
You know, I really approach this with open mind. I, I trust that I am information that I'm meant to learn will like come to me. Um, so I really didn't have like too much of an agenda other than to be open to receiving. Okay, great. Yeah. Fantastic. So let's just do a quick recap of your to do's. Um, so what, and you'll, you know, you'll have to go through all your scratch <laughs> and figure, pull them back out. But, um, I always like to close getting really clear on what those action steps are so that you're not left like, okay, so now what? So going back through your list, what are your to do's? So there's a few, um, big to do is the website with all the categories and within that launch with meditation first, which I feel really comfortable doing. Um, my other to do, I'm just going to write that down because I know that that is, I mean, honestly, I've had the website written down like on every week of my journal. So it's like, it's, it's been on my to do's for a long time. Um, I definitely would like to find a, a marketing support person, um, you know, all of the people, whether it's a strategist or um, coordinator for the actual meditation component, whatever it is. So I need to decide what it is, what the content is. Um, I'm leaning towards subscription. And then um, I kind of need to structure the content. <laughs> There's a lot of to-dos. Okay. Website. Um, and... But this isn't all no, for this week. No, it's not. <laughs> you know, this is for like the next few months. Yeah. So it's like give yourself the yes. time and space. So website, we'll start with the meditation. I want to hire someone. Um, hire a marketing coordinator. And then I want to collect the emails from my email list. Um and pick, pick an email yeah. system and start start playing around. Yeah. And then and then tell people. Well, yeah, that's mm-hmm. for that specifically. And then the other to do is to start this week, Wednesday, I will um find a way to weave in a story to my teaching. So start working on that. I mean, that sounds way more fun than this, than this list, honestly, Mm -hmm. totally way more interested in in the storytelling. Um, but that's all content. I mean, that though, the wisdom from that is going to go in the deck. It's going to go in the ebook. So it's, yeah. And I would say like a good, a good mantra for you. Um, if you're open to it, um, is I know what I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you do. And you have all the credentials to prove it. You have all the relationships to prove it. And you don't actually even need to prove it to anyone. You just keep showing up. You know what you know. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I've written that down many times in my life, but it's still really good to hear. (laughs) It's like, I do know what I know. Um, And yeah, I know enough to, to be teaching what I teach and crazy. It, you know, takes, took a long time to get to a place where that feels like a comfortable and honest thing to say. Yeah. 
Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This was, wow, really helpful. <laughs> I'm so glad. I like took four pages I'm of so notes. <laughs> You've been listening to Going Legit. I hope you're walking away with a new idea, a new perspective, or perhaps a new sense of what might be possible. Please take a moment to send a silent wish of hope to our subject. It takes vulnerability and bravery to step up in such a bold and public way, and for that, we can all be grateful. If you'd like to be a guest on this podcast, you can apply at goinglegit.co. You can also go there for resources, tools, and some workshops that are available on demand. This episode was produced by me, Rachel Dorsey. It's executive produced by Bone and Gold. Edited by Chelsea DeCuba with original music by Taylor Joshua Rankin. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a review. And please, please, please share it with your friends. I'm Rachel Dorsey. Thank you for listening. <laughs>